to do. Hello, my name is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is uh, podcast number 195, Mm. I think. Can you believe that, sweetie? Mm Mm-mm. Um, so what is Zen Parenting Radio for you newbies? Zen Parenting Radio is a podcast, a weekly podcast, give or take. What are you laughing at? And it's a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad. We have three daughters, ages 7, 9, and 11. I got to cross that out because it used to be 6. Now it's 7, sweetie. They grow. Our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember our motto which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. So here's the highlights of, up, of the upcoming episode. You ready? Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about timeouts. Uh, we're going to talk about Shefali a little bit last night because mm-hmm. we watched her show on Oprah last night. Um, do we want to update Aaron and Aaron? Because we had a listener uh, who asked about that. Sure. Okay. And then there's a question from a listener. Does that sound A-OK to you? That does. Don't forget, sweetie, what our marketing strategy is, which is none. Correct. Our strategy is to um, have our listeners promote our podcast. Just listen. We're not, well, listen and then tell two people, right? And yes, you can always tell people. And then I'm they in tell full two people it. and then they tell two and people. And so on and so on. So what is that commercial? Is that Calgon? Is I that I don't know, but wasn't ancient it, Chinese secret? Wasn't it in Wayne's World? It was, but they took it from a, from commercial. a commercial from the eighties. If you know what that is, let us know. Um, Comments at ZenParentingRadio.com. Because that really is the marketing strategy. Because any other marketing strategy is is yucky. We had some bad experience with LinkedIn. Yeah, and D- didn't we, sweetie? Well, and it's just one of those things where you know you can. I just I'm not a. I don't enjoy telling people how much they're going to love something. I kind of feel like if they come across it and it speaks to them then and they love it, that's great. But saying to them, you have to do this because you're going to love it, I just think it's, I don't know. The marketing and advertising people out there right now are like, duh, that's what you do. Right. But I think that there is another way. Oh, and I didn't tell you one other resource I'm going to provide for our awesome listeners. What? Um, I'm, there is this blog I found, 25 questions you can ask your child when they get home from school, other oh, than yeah. how is school today? I kind of made the rounds a couple of weeks ago. Oh, did you mm-hmm. see it? I did. So we'll post the actual blog or whatever on our show notes, but I picked out a few of my favorites. Okay. Um, but first I want so to talk- this is a very Todd heavy show. Yes. I am in control. Yes. Todd chose everything that we're doing today. That's right. Um, but first I want to talk about our first partner and that is Dr. John Kelly. Um, we have three daughters. Two of them are getting something called orthotropics, facial orthotropics. And um, Cameron uh, and JC have been going through it for a while. But basically, it's a different way than the traditional braces. If you've listened to our show, uh, you kind of know what that is. But Cameron just got brackets on her teeth. Mm-hmm. And uh, it looks like braces, but it's not. And I asked Dr. John Kelly what that really, how is this different? Typical um, hardwire braces retract your teeth. Back. And many times it's at the expense of your own airway. Our daughter Cameron and JC have had expanders in their mouth, which basically expand the mouth mm-hmm. to allow for the teeth to come in naturally. And these brackets are put on just to kind of keep them from floating in every different way. But it's not to pull them back. Mm-hmm. It just keeps them in alignment. It keeps them in alignment. So Todd always says it's to keep the airway open because if the airway is open, there's better sleep. 
Um, if you have better sleep, you have better behavior. Right. And it's not just about the airway. It's also about body alignment and keeping not doing something early in their lives that is going to negatively affect them later. Um, it's just appropriate alignment for but the But the only candidates that. to do this are children. And usually when they get to 12 years old, it's kind of too late. Mm -hmm. So if you are a parent of a child in the Chicagoland area, I highly recommend that you give John Kelly a call. He's one of the nicer guys you'll ever meet. His number is 773-631-6844. The uh, website is chicagodentistonline.com, and he's at 5350 West Devon Avenue. So let's jump into timeouts, okay? Okay. Um, because I thought that this was good timing because we saw Shefali last night. You want to know what my takeaway from Shefali was? So Todd's talking about that Dr. Shefali was on Oprah's live class last night, and last night uh, some children um, spoke about how they perceive what their parents say and do to them. And go ahead. So the one sentence that I wrote down, I typed into my phone, was that we as parents need to have a radical acceptance of who our children are. Oh, yeah. Because we always try to mold them. We're always molding. We're always teaching. And if we can balance that out with accepting them for who they are, Mm -hmm. not making them somebody who we want to be, but instead be curious about who they're here to be and support them, I think it goes a long way. Well, and you know what's so important, the radical acceptance there, it starts with not just radically accepting our children, but it starts with radically accepting ourselves because there was a woman on last night who was, you know, wonderful because she spoke so openly and she, I think she spoke for a significant uh, part of the population. She was talking about how one of her children was really joyful and the other one was really introverted and she was trying to get the joyful one to calm down and get the introverted one to open up and she was trying to create a balance and make them a certain way. And her comment was, it's because I don't want society to look at them in a negative way or I don't want society to break them down, so I'm going to help them. And what we don't understand is that the stories that we tell ourselves about, quote unquote, society, that's not society. That's our fears because we, as in Shefali's words, are being the perpetrators of breaking down our kids, but we're doing it in the name of, but society will do it. But you have to understand- the way you view the world... Society comes through you. Comes through you. And the way you view the world is your perception. You're the only one with your perception. You think that the world is a certain way based on your lens. You're watching your movie. But everybody else has a different view. So the point of me saying all that is there is no certain way your child is supposed to be for society. Your child is supposed to be themselves. And what we do as parents is we help them become fully themselves and have a sense of worth and a sense of self. And if they can embrace who they are and trust who they are, they will be successful by definition, successful meaning they will live um, grounded, Mm. loving, connected lives. Beautiful. Okay. Okay. So timeouts. Here we go. Okay. Um, So there's this really short blog that is on time.com and it'll be in the show notes also. And the title of it is, if I can pull it up, Timeouts Are Hurting Your Child. And, and it's, yeah. it's written by Daniel Siegel, who we're huge fans of. And I think his co-author, her name is Tina Payne Bryson. And um, so quick history of our parenting regarding timeouts, sweetie. Mm-hmm. With JC, we did them a little bit. JC's our oldest. Mm-hmm. Cameron, maybe a mm-hmm. few times. Maybe. Have we ever put Skylar in a timeout? Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean, I mean, our parenting style has evolved and we hope that 
your parenting style was evolving also. So we, we only knew what we knew. Well, and let's go backwards okay. a little bit. Before, when I was pregnant with JC for uh, for many years, even before I got pregnant with JC, I worked at Children's Memorial Hospital and I worked in a uh, inpatient unit. It was actually called the Partial Hospitalization Program, where kids were with us all day long. And the two uh, things that techniques or um, theories that we used were behavioral modification, and we also used CBT, which is cognitive behavioral theory. So I was trained, literally trained, in things like timeouts. Mm-hmm. And with children who were going to hit me or kick me or throw things at me, I had to learn how to, you know, restrain and I had to learn how to uh, timeouts were used on the floor. That's what we used. And we used reward charts and we used and in some in some, you know, it's hard for me to even think about that now. Like I can't take the last 10 years and say, I, like, I don't know who I'd be on that floor anymore. I'm not quite sure. But my point in saying this is these tech, these techniques have been around a long time and even professionals are trained. So when I had a child, my natural, it wasn't even natural, that's the wrong word. My training was if a child does something wrong, they get a timeout right. because that's what I did professionally. Right. And so it felt very in alignment with what I had learned. What ended up happening is when I would use that at home and because you know and my intention was to connect to my child and have her understand herself better it, it didn't seem to fit mm-hmm. we never felt good right. <laughs> and that doesn't mean we stopped immediately right we kept using it but i sure i felt crappy a lot and i don't think she got much out of it because she'd be really mad afterwards. Right. Do you remember how angry she would be? Well, and in this article that hopefully our listeners will read if they feel like it, they're really not all that effective. Right. Um, and there's like a, a spectrum here. And this is my perspective on the parenting spectra- spectrum. You know, on the really bad side is physical abuse and direct emotional abuse and sexual abuse, any yeah, kind of abuse. That's neglect. like, that's like mm-hmm. let's call that on the left. Okay. On the right is. No Nothing, discipline. Permissiveness. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's like the pers- permissiveness, and like we're trying to find that middle place. Here. Oh, I thought you were given both ends of the spectrum. I, I thought I was, but I'm kind of going like I think the other side of the spectrum for this argument is where you don't need to do a timeout, and your kid will still listen. And oh, I see. You know what I mean? I do now. You're trying. Yes. So, yes. so physical abuse bad. No timeouts, and your kid listens with discussion. Good. Does that make sense? Kind of. Okay. But when you do a spectrum, it's got to be the two extremes. Right. And I think the extreme is the promised land of parenting, like our ultimate conscious parenting So you're place. not doing a spectrum. You are doing a linear. Linear. Right. Okay. But Todd and I are going to talk geometry. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know what I mean. I, think. I do. I totally understand So can now. you restate what I just said? Yeah. Just so? You're just saying what we're trying to get to, the like bad, the line we're trying to get to. The to extreme the is what he, what he said, neglect, abuse, all that kind of stuff. What we're, what we're gradually moving toward Towards, thank is you. this place where our children, through our discussion, connection, yes. relationship – can help them understand their behavior better and give them tools right. to deal with their behavior. Thank you. So there's okay. a bunch of parents on this line. This okay? this line, right. And there's parents like Adrian Peterson who, whatever, did all these terrible things to his kid. Because he was taught that. Because he was taught that. Yes. So for Adrian Peterson, I would love for him to utilize the timeout theory. Okay? <laughs> yeah, it's better than the That's other That's better. Extreme. You can't go from 
from right. whipping a kid to the promised land. Right. Okay. It's got to be ste- steps. It's step by step. But I feel like many of the listeners on this show are are move are closer to that promised land. Got it. But I'll bet you a lot of them are still using timeouts. Not like they're doing anything wrong. And if you believe in timeouts, go ahead. Our job here is to have a discussion and have you rethink what that timeout means. Yeah, have you give give you a different perspective, and maybe even you use similar things, but you take pieces out of it that may be a little more harsh or shaming or you know those pieces that that don't really serve right. what you're trying to do exactly so um so t- timeouts is a, one of the most popular discipline techniques out there a lot of doctors a lot of pediatricians say this is the way you should do it we're telling you maybe that there's even a different way that will get you better results because we don't practice timeouts and I, what i will say is um that the reason timeouts originated and they became so popular in, in our culture is because the philosophy behind it was I really agreed with, which is if your child is in an ex- in they're kind of reeling, they're in an experience where they are hitting or they're emotionally they can't get their act together and they're just overwhelmed by what's ever happening. The thought was take time alone, help them get to a place where they can calm down and so they can they can regulate and then return to the situation after discussing what they could have done differently or what you know what tools they could use to regulate. What a timeout became because everything kind of gets sometimes mixed up when a new technique is out there is a timeout became instead of an opportunity to regulate it became a dunce cap mm-hmm. and an, and an opportunity for us to throw our kids in a corner and say you're bad go sit there you don't deserve to be here right. or super nanny many years ago and I don't know if she's still on but she created the naughty naughty mat corner or the whatever. naughty step <laughs> or whatever and that you have to go sit there and again it's a dunce cap you right. need to feel bad my way of helping you, quote unquote, helping you regulate your behavior is you need to feel like crap about it. And what we're doing is we're externally making them feel bad rather than helping them internally understand why that can affect other people. So this is what I love. Like you and I have this parenting philosophy that we feel is working really well and we don't have any science to back it up. We do it because it feels right Mm -hmm. to us. Mm -hmm. So when these books come out from scientists or researchers that say this, it just kind of reinforces and reinfor- mm-hmm. re- reaffirms what our belief system is. So I'm going to read a few quick sentences out of this Be- thing. Before you start reading, don't you feel like this whole thing has been kind of a long time coming? There's been some a lot of questions. Sometimes when things get the whole time out thing, it, when it starts to get messed up, I'm trying to think of the word where something starts to morph into something it's not. Mm-hmm. And you know that you got to pull back mm-hmm. and we have to reevaluate what we're doing here. And, you know, what Todd's about to read, what Daniel Siegel and Tina uh, Bryson did was they actually did brain research. Scans. They scanned the brain. They could physically see what's happening over repeated. So this is what it says. In a brain scan, relational pain, which is one that's caused by timeouts, uh, by isolation during punishment, can look the same as physical abuse. Is alone in the corner the best place for your child? Studies in neuroplasticity, the brain's adaptability. And just before you go on, to explain neuroplasticity, we used to believe way back when, long time ago, um, that brains were they were set in stone, Rigid. and once they were done, they were done. Right. What we now know through brain science and research is that brains always have the ability 
to to learn new things, and that is called neuroplasticity. So all these neural pathways that we've created in our brain that we've said, well, this is just who I am. I'm rigid. It's not true. Right. We can change. Things can change. Which is why we do the show, exactly. for goodness sakes. Um, <clears throat> the brain's adaptability have proved that repeated experiences actually change the physical structure in the brain, which is what, what you just said. Discipline is about teaching, not about punishment, and finding ways to teach children appropriate behavior is essential for healthy development. So mm-hmm. are you on board with that? Well, absolutely. And, you know, discipline, um, the word discipline, or it it means literally, the definition is to teach. Mm-hmm. That's the word disciple. You know, we know to teach. And what discipline has actually become in our society, um, just like how Shafali was telling us when we saw a couple months ago about how even the word consequences has now become uh, punishment. We, yeah, we use it as a word to... To mean punishment. Right. And that's the same thing with discipline. Yeah, the consequences, I'm going to spank you if you blah, blah, totally. blah. Totally. Where what the real world word of consequences, what Shvali was trying to get at in her second book, um, Out of Control, was that a consequence is natural. Mm-hmm. If you do this, this is what will happen. It's like a... It's um, not... It's cause and effect. Right. Cause, effect. Right. And so, again, discipline is not punishment discipline is teaching. Right. Well, I, I just thought of something funny because I say on the show so often, we don't talk about timeouts on the show and mm-hmm. here we are dedicating a whole episode, but it's, yeah. it's an important one because we think it's, we're asking the listeners to reevaluate their timeouts. So in most cases, the primary experience of a timeout is isolation, right. right? You put the kid in his room or whatever. Even when presented in a patient and loving manner, timeouts teach them that when they make a mistake or when they are having a hard time, they will be forced to be by themselves. Something that would say, like a parent would say, I'm only interested in being with you and being there for you when you've got it all together. So in other words, the kid is displaying some bad behavior and you push them away. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then it goes on to say children have a profound need for connection. In times of distress, we need to be near and be soothed by the people who care for us. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that is and this has to be balanced and understood from a place of self-care because there are like I was at the grocery store today and there was a, a little girl who was just screaming at the top of her lungs for for a reason that I don't know, but she obviously was very upset, which kids, my kids have done that too. And the mom was so done with it, so shut down about it that she wasn't, you know, and she may have been in the aisle before I saw her really trying to work with her child. This right. is not me pointing a finger and judging, but sometimes we are so numb to our kids. Right. We don't even care anymore. Mm-hmm. We're just like, you know, we're just, completely, I can't deal with you. I'm ignoring you. That's often, that used to be a huge advice too. Just ignore your kid. Right. Instead of thinking I'm going to ignore and I'm going to, you know, show them that I don't care, which is exactly the opposite of what we want to do. We can be forthcoming about, I need some space. I was just talking to JC about this last night. I need to take a breath. I need, you know, like, while we take care of ourselves, we are teaching them that you often have to take care of yourself first before you can respond. Mm-hmm. Everything we say on this show is feelings are normal, they're good, they're great. But a feeling shouldn't result in – you've got to have space between the feeling and your reaction. Right. That if a feeling comes up and that says, well, I'm having this feeling, I'm going to hit you, you have to have enough space between 
So I'm, I'm trying to be devil's advocate here. Okay. Let's say that there's a parent out there who's got a two-year-old girl mm-hmm. and she loses it 10 times a day. Does that mean you have to sit there and connect with them every single time? Well, here's the thing where we get into like on the first conscious parenting show, the first life class where people will say, okay, well, I'm going to, I did this. So what do I do next? It's very hard to talk, talk hypotheticals right. for this reason. If the first time your child loses it, like in the morning, and if you are in a place where you can affirm what they're feeling mm-hmm. and say, oh my gosh, I know it's, you know, getting up in the morning, woo, sometimes, you know, going back to school on a Monday, I hear you, honey, I hear you. And you affirm all the feelings they're trying to let out first. First, They may not, because you just said, what if they have a breakdown 10 times a day? Right. A lot of times kids do that because they haven't quite yet been affirmed right. for what they're feeling. Right. So this is why you have to practice instead of a new technique, mm-hmm. you got to practice connecting with your kid and affirming what they're saying because if they are heard, a lot of that emotional expression dissipates. So they don't need to react 10 times that day because they've already been heard and seen. Right. Well, and it's funny. We just talked about a two-year-old. So like, let's say it's a 12-year-old. You're not going to put a 12-year-old in a timeout. No, and but that's, it's a, that's the, an issue. It's the exact same thing. Like that when your 12-year-old does something that is against the rules or whatever, yeah. I think a lot of people use punishment or discipline or take things away or whatever. And I don't know what we're going to do when this happens to us, but I feel like every time those things happen and they will happen, it's an opportunity for a discussion and an opportunity for connection, right? It is. And I think when you say, I don't know what we're going to do, we're already doing it. There's no, we're not going to be completely different people when they're 14. I guess I'm waiting for like a huge thing to happen. I, there, but you're right. Like I can't say, oh, that'll never happen. But this is where we get to the little breakdowns Mm -hmm. because our daughter who was, older two days ago had a tough day and I you weren't uh, you know around for all this and she and I talked several times during the day about the feelings that she was having about how I get that sometimes it seems bigger than it is and that has a lot to do with her body changing that has a lot to do with seeing things differently and that not only have I been her age before and I understand that but as a parent it's my job to help her through that so instead of talking to her about how you're angsty and no one wants to be around you and what's wrong with you and why aren't you like you were when you were nine it's like honey everything that's happening normal. Yeah. So how can I help you instead of keep you from having this experience, which is impossible, how can I help you and make sure that you understand that I still see you? And what we as parents might do is shut them down or take their phone away or tell them they're not going out with their friends this weekend. And we just don't feel like that's an effective way of doing it. Mostly because... No wonder our, our kids hate us. Well, exactly. Mostly because if one of my... I'll, you know, we can only talk about our children in this specific situation, but if one of my girls is being really mean to the other, or if one of my girls is kind of throwing out zingers at us, I know something's going on. Yeah. I don't mean something's going on like she is bad. I know that something has not been communicated, or I have not heard something, or I have not noticed something, and that doesn't mean I feel bad and guilty and shameful. That means it's time to ask some questions. You seem really annoyed. How often do I say this? Yeah. You seem really annoyed at Skylar today. Well, what's the, going on? And this is exactly this is exactly what you're talking about. It says in this article: when children are overtaxed emotionally, they sometimes misbehave. Their intense emotions and the demands of the situation trumps their internal resources. Yeah. Children haven't built 
certain self-regulation skills yet. And this goes for 12-year-olds too. Absolutely. This behavior is often a cry for help, for calming down a bit, for connection. So for us to shun that and say, you're not getting your phone or I'm going to take stuff away, they're asking for help. They're doing it in a nasty, negative way, but that's all it is. Because they don't have any other tools. And that's what I mean about, you know, we talk about 11, 12, 13, 14-year-olds. Sometimes it starts earlier. Think about what's happening to them, you guys. Think about the hormone. And this is not just girls. Girls are not dramatic. Mm -hmm. Girls can just often speak their feelings a lot better. Boys are having this too. They are having all these feelings. Everything is changing. They are annoyed quicker. They see things for what they are. They are being overwhelmed by school and everything. And then whenever they have kind of like a smart comment, and when I say smart, I mean smart ass comment, Mm -hmm. we say... How dare you? How dare you react to all these things going on in your world? Instead, it's like, whoa, that was a zinger. What's going on? I think the thing that... They're going to get our attention one way or the other. One way or the other. If, if If they cannot be seen and heard positively... They will fi- They will do something. Like there was a girl. And it's not like they decide that. Like, no. ooh, this, it's just a normal thing. That, I need to connect with my parents. So if that means I'm going to be out an hour past, I'm supposed to be out, then that's the way I'm going to connect. Absolutely. Or I need to tell my parents something and they're not listening. Right. So I'm going to stay out an hour later so I can show them that I need freedom. Right. Do you see what I... Yeah. So it's not always a, a, a verbal battle. Mm-hmm. It's when they are doing something... There's something going on that they either can't express, and it may not be as simple as let's sit down and have a talk, tell me. It may take time. Mm -hmm. That's the thing, too, is think about, again, we have to remember in our relationship with our children, it's no different than in a relationship with your spouse or your sister or your mother or your father. It's It's a relationship. And so initially, certain things can be said, and then they figure out something else, and then you grow, and then you... It's not about quick, dirty, solve the problem, I'm, you know... Sometimes they don't know what they're feeling, but what we can acknowledge for them is having the fluctuations you're having are very typical of someone your age. And, you know, JC and I, we we joke about, you know, sometimes I'll be like, are you getting the angsty thing? And I'm not saying it in a, uh, I'm not saying it to put her down. I'm saying it like, I get it. Yeah. You know, are, and have a name that, for it. Yeah. Did that totally annoy you? Yeah. You know, like, and the and why this is so important, all of this, is that's very difficult to do unless you understand your own behavior. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to understand your child's behavior if you have never observed your own. Yeah. Because if you are shut down and you are numb to what you're doing and you're just a robot in the world kind of doing what people ask you and never asking questions and never questioning how you feel, you're not going to be able to understand your child. For example, how many times have you told your kid to put the phone down, too much technology time, yet you watch three hours of TV that day? Exactly. Or, Or you're on your phone texting somebody while telling your kid, I've done this, while telling your kid, hey, put that iPad down. We've all done it. We don't. And I think what you're saying is step outside of yourself and look at yourself from a different perspective. That's right. And, and understand that, you know, it's, you know, Todd and I were having a conversation yesterday about Todd's got a lot on his plate. And when Todd has more on his plate, that means more is on my plate. And, you know, we have to have this, we're constantly trying to not achieve a balance that's sustainable, but we notice when we're out of balance and really all that we're trying to do is affirm what I'm doing 
and, aff- and, and the other person needs to affirm what the other person's doing. Can you see how hard I'm working? And then vice versa. Can you see how hard I'm working? And if you, if, if you can, and the other person can see it and say it, all of this other stuff goes away. Right. And that's what we, our children need us to notice. Right. Our children are like, are you, do you see how hard I'm working? And that your best is different than my best. Mm-hmm. And that when I have a bad day and you're having a good day, it doesn't mean I'm not allowed to have a bad day. Right. We are not one. I am a person. You are a person. And that's all. When we tell them that they aren't good enough by because of their behavior or because they didn't get an A plus or yeah, whatever. Yeah, we focus on the negative. Whatever. Then we are, you know, we are... We are creating that society fear inside of them. Yeah. And it's not even real. Yeah. Um, I want to do one more science thing. Okay. It says brain imaging shows that the experience of relational pain, which is the one we're talking about, like that caused by rejection, looks very similar to the experience of physical pain in terms of brain activity. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know why that's such a big deal, but I feel like it's a big deal. We feel like, oh, we're not putting our hand on the kid. So what I'm doing can't be that substantial. I'll give you a perfect example. I spend, when we talk about abuse in my college class, I spend more time talking about emotional abuse than I do physical abuse because we don't give enough attention attention to emotional abuse and the internal scars that it leaves. Physical abuse is very obvious. You can see it. There's bruises, and it's obviously not okay. It goes without saying, and it's something that we all jump on. But sometimes we don't even recognize that we are emotionally abused, and we don't understand what the signs are, and we don't recognize when we're abusing ourselves. And so that's exactly what they're saying is that when you are emotionally abusing or neglecting, it leaves the same kind of pain right. as hitting right. internally. Yeah. And so we don't get permission to shame and and tell our kids they're weak or they're not good enough. So when parents say, well, I've never hit my kids. Okay. That's, that's great. A, that's, that's a good, great. That's a good start. Yes. But are, have you looked at, have you caused any emotional pain? Right. And as parents, of of course, of course we, we have. do. The idea is to minimize it. <laughs> exactly. Like in a relationship, sometimes you say something that causes that other person pain and you you recognize that because of the mirror neurons in our brain. And many of you guys know what that is, but we can feel other people. When you're having a conversation with someone, you can tell when you've hurt them mm-hmm. because you feel it. It hits your gut. Have you ever said something that just came out and all you wanted to do was hurt? And as soon as you said it, you felt it. Right. That's, that's how we're created. We're created to be compassionate beings that feel each other's pain. So we know when we've hurt our kids. We'll right. say, well, I'm not sure if I did or not. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And when you do that, because I've done it, Todd's done it, we didn't set out that day with an intention to hurt, but our own ego or our own emotions took over a situation. And that is our personal responsibility to go back and talk that through. Right. Not to get down on our knees and say, child, I am the worst parent ever. Forgive me. But to say, listen, I'm human. And what I did this morning, I did it because I was tired, not because you had done something wrong or I was frustrated by, you know, whatever. Right. So, yes. (laughs) Um, Anything else before we move on? Uh, We're going to move off of this? Yes, we are. Wow. So people will say, well, if I can't use a timeout, what do I do? Use a time in. (laughs) You know what a time in is? According to this thing, it's kind of what we already talked about. That's why I didn't bring it up. 
Uh, next time the need for discipline arises, parents might consider a time in forging a loving connection, such as sitting with the child and talking or comforting. Sometimes to calm down can be extremely valuable for children, teaching them how to pause and reflect on their behavior, especially for younger children. Such reflection is created in relationship, not in isolation. So that's hard. We're busy. You got three kids. What if two of them are misbehaving at the same time? How are you supposed to connect with both of them? I mean, right. I understand how crazy this sounds, but if you can have some intention to move in that direction versus, and like to your point early on, you talked about self-care. If you're in a place where you are really frustrated and you know you're about to do something you regret, put them in a timeout. Give yourself some space. Don't even put them in a timeout. Leave the situation right. or say, guys, I need, a, you don't have to be like, you're in a timeout so I can go take a break. You can just say, I need, I need a break. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, that's true. You can kind of do the same thing without saying it the same right, way. Right, So, um, and it, and the thing is, is the thing that's so important about the show and the things that Todd and I talk about or what self-aware parenting is or what conscious parenting is, is it's not a technique. We can't tell you how to do it. Right. You got to practice it. Right. You got to use your own personality. You got to connect with the child in front of you. There is not one way. And so when you get frustrated and say, well, what do I do in this situation at this time? You got to try something different. Mm -hmm. That's like one of the biggest steps is instead of being in a rut, you know, the whole idea of doing the same thing over and over again and getting the you know same, same result. result, try something different. Mix it up. And, and, and instead of going from the two... Instead of doing the punitive thing, like, you know, we talk about how sometimes I see parents just turn it on and off. Like they'll be very calm and their child will say something. They'll turn around. They'll be like, you be quiet. Right. You know, they're so mean. Yeah. You guys, if you feel like you're mean all the time with your kids, you got to check that, man, because that's not fair. It's not fair to you because you don't want to be that way. And it's definitely not fair to them. And they're definitely not feeling the connection that you're going for. Sweetie, in the words of somebody I don't know, you have to check yourself. Before you wreck yourself. Is that from a song? I think it's a song. Okay. That's the other trivia question. Were you going to play Hall & Oates? Um, I don't really want to. Okay, good. That's fine. Uh, just for fun. Who cares? Todd. <laughs> so, Todd was looking for a song that had the words time and out right. in it. And I couldn't come up with one, so you came up with this one. And this is Out of Touch, Out of Time. See, I thought... Hall and Oates. I thought they would just say, you're out of touch, I'm out of touch. Why would they say the same thing? Here, turn it up. This is where they can say it. Yeah, I thought it was out of touch a second time. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> what I wanted to play was this one. Uh-oh. Yikes. Even though there's no out in the song, it's time, sweetie. By Pink Floyd? Yes. Is it seven minutes long? The moments We're behind in our podcast time, but it's hard for me to turn this off. Is it Shine On Crazy Diamonds? No, it's not. So, round in a piece of... Okay. All right. Um, our second partner is Dr. Kelly from The Tree of Life. Uh, she does something called instrument adjusting. Did you know that, sweetie? No. Yes, she doesn't do the manual. Oh, oh I, I was... Instrument adjustment. Of course adjustment. I do. Yes, that's what she uses an instrument to adjust. It's a patent and FDA registered device specifically created to deliver gentle and precise chiropractic adjustments to the joints of the spine and extremities to relieve pain and restore 
function. The impulse adjusting instrument is controlled by microcomputer circuitry housed within the device, produces controlled force that chiropractors can use to treat different areas of the body. That was a lot of language there. I just came up with it off the top of my head. <laughs> Let me say this. I, um, I've done chiropractic my whole life, and so I like manual, or I don't know what the word is, but I also like the, the device Kelly's, that she uses. Right. But I'll tell you who does love it is my kids yeah. because it's very gentle, right. and but it gets the same result. Right. So when my when JC was really young, I took her and it was a different kind of manipulation, not Dr. Kelly, but somebody else. And she, it was too much for her. Mm-hmm. So kids tend to like that. I like it. That, um, device. I don't, I don't get sick very often. And I think I give Dr. Kelly partial credit yeah, for that. That's, there are many pieces, but that's definitely a big one. Um, a few things. Um, we always in- encourage our listeners to give us a review on iTunes. We have three recent reviews from ATERB. B-E-R from the USA. She says it's a, or he says it's a great podcast. And Amber, also from the USA, said that it's a great podcast. She also said, sorry to hear about the loss of my mom, which was nice. A lot of support. And then Kim from Arizona. She also gives us a nice positive review. So if you're up for helping us out, give us a nice review on iTunes because it helps our exposure to the listening audience. Um, Real quick. Kid comes home from school. What do you ask him? What do you ask them? So you say, how was... How you feeling today? You say, how was school today? Oh. That's what you're supposed to answer. Oh, I, eh. I don't say that very often. Well, um, that's what I say, and I get sick of saying that. So um, I'm going to put this blog on the show notes, but 25 questions different than the one that I just asked. Got it. Um, tell me something that made you laugh today. Hmm. That's number two. Number three, if you could choose who you would like to sit by in class, who would it be? Hmm. Uh, number seven, how did you help somebody today? Yeah. Do you know, I used to love that. We used to do that at dinners because you know who I heard used to do that all the time? Who? Tom Cruise. Oh, really? It was years ago. Tom and Katie? No, it was Tom and Nicole. Oh. It was like years ago. Back with in their the old fr- days. Yeah. And, but that their big thing when they sat down to dinner, and how often do you think those four sat down to dinner, honestly? I don't know. But they would say, what did you do to help someone today? And the next question is, how did somebody help you today? Oh, I like that. You know, mm-hmm. Give and receive. Yeah. Uh, who would you like to play with at recess that you've never played with before? And yeah. then the last one is, who's the funniest person in your class? Why is he or she so funny? I mean, there's 20 others in here. So just check on the show notes. But, you know, yet another resource, right? Right. So. You know, there's a great scene in Boyhood. Um, and for those of you who haven't seen Boyhood, it's wonderful. You need, it to, should, go, you need it, to go see it. And I think it's going to get re-released because it's going to get nominated for Academy Awards. That's my prediction. But there's this scene... This great scene where uh, Ethan Hawke is um, his the, the parents are divorced and Ethan Hawke is the dad and he picks up his kids for the weekend and they get in the car and he's like so tell me about school tell me about this tell me about this and they're just like yeah it's good it's whatever and he pulls the car over he goes listen kids yeah. you only see me once a month or, or twice a month or whatever they were giving him the blase vanilla answer exactly but he was in a good mood so yeah. he wasn't yelling at him he said listen kids I want to know about your life I don't want to have those answers I want to talk to you about how you're feeling I care about how you feel can we just have like can you just tell me some things and it was awesome because then the kids were like well dad the way you're asking the question or blah blah blah." he's like all right how should i ask it i loved that scene because he let the kids say what they needed to say and he didn't say he was entirely right Mm -hmm. he said i don't want to have a relationship with you where i just say how was your day yeah he really said, how can I do this better? Yeah, and ask I just, for help. Ask me. What he, question can I ask? Yeah, what do you want to tell me? Yeah. And the kids were so happy. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? It kind of like broke the ice. And every scene in that movie is that real and that yeah. authentic and that thought-provoking. And that 
people to me are good mm. and they're not walking around with guns, shooting people up and getting robots and all these movies that we see. Yeah. That's not life. Movies about like these people had flaws because we all do, but they loved their kids and they loved each other in some ways and they were doing their best. Yeah. And when I see a movie that real, I just, I loved that scene. It yeah. reminded me to do the same. So who are Aaron and Aaron, sweetie? So Aaron and Aaron were on our show a couple months ago. It was this summer, I believe. And when they were on, they talked about their issue. They um, had a, a, an incredible story about child loss. They lost a number of pregnancies um, and it was quite the journey. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, I don't know what number it is. It's, we don't give them numbers because it was an interview, but it it's zenparentingradio.com slash Krieger dash one. It's in our show notes. We did the, two of them. Yeah. So we talked parts. to him twice because the story was so, uh, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And at the end of our second we published episode published it on with June them, 6th. So it was this summer. Right. So at the end of the second episode, Aaron... Um, that both Aaron's shared with us that they were pregnant with a child and they were very honest about saying we are terrified Mm -hmm. and we're very nervous because they lost children pretty far along you know, and, and there wasn't any reason for it, but uh, about a month ago, was it a month ago that baby Krieger was born? Give or take. They, Aaron gave birth to their second son. And baby Krieger is here and wonderful. And I've seen a few pictures that Erin has posted, you know, in her bliss of motherhood. Um, also, we all know there's challenges, but the pictures demonstrate the the bliss. And, uh, and a reader or a listener emailed us and said, what happened with Erin and Erin's baby? And so Todd really wanted to make sure we shared that with everybody that uh, baby Krieger's doing great. There you go. Um, that deserves some claps, doesn't it, yes. sweetie? Yes, it it's beautiful. Um, we don't have time for our question, so we'll have to put that okay. into next week's episode. But we do have some things to promote. Sweetie has a book coming up. I do, baby. Called Living the Life. No, Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn. Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn. A le- a, the Power of self aware parenting. parenting. I'm working on it's it. It's long, and I know that. And people will say, oh, it should be shorter. Or it should be So this. this book is probably going to be released about the same time as our 200th podcast. Yes, dual celebration. That's right. You should play Celebrate by Cool in the Gang. Uh, I don't have that, but oh. I do have this. <laughs> that doesn't work. I also have... <laughs> That's Halloween. Pay attention, son. This is for your own good. Uh-oh. That's it for you. Okay. There we go. Is that enough? So, yes, my book is going to be released uh, possibly the real release date where everything's ready to go is December 1st, meaning everything will be up on Amazon. But if I can get the book earlier, um, I will let you know and maybe we'll give some away on the show. Um, but uh, but I, lo- I really love this book. I'm proud of this book. And it's got, you know, everything we talk about on this show. It's basically what self-aware parenting looks like on a day-to-day basis in short essays in real stories real stories it's like it's that you have experienced either professionally or personally and so it's you know there's 75 different chapters on how to incorporate self-aware parenting and they're categorized they are because of my toddy todd read it and he's like these are way too many chapters you got to categorize them so it's how to deal with emotions how to notice your children how to accept how to feel inspired how to begin Mm -hmm. how to start the process and 
Um, so yes. So get ready. Um, and then I am now beginning to accept applications for my 2015 men's retreat. And I actually just posted something on Facebook, um, a video that I did. It's kind of like a highlight reel of last year. So if you're interested in that or your husband is, uh, just t- check out the video. It's on our Facebook page. Um, what else? Oh, we have a Replace the Race event, which is a documentary, a, an abbreviated documentary um, regarding how we put too much pressure on our kids. Is that next Tuesday? Week October from- 8th. Yeah, so I think it's next week. 7 o'clock. And that will be on our show notes as well. Don't forget to share our show on Facebook. I already talked about iTunes review. If you shop on Amazon, uh, go to our site first and then do your shopping. There's a link on our on the lower right-hand side. And if you buy stuff um, at no more expense to you, we get a small commission that we put into our BU program. You know what? I went to see Dr. Kelly on Saturday morning, Mm -hmm. and guess who I was driving behind the whole time? Um... George Clooney. Jeremy Kraft. Oh, from, from Avid. Avid. He it was it was um really early in the morning and he had already been out and about somewhere in Elmhurst. That, that Who's Jeremy Kraft? He is uh our painting remodeler uh that we use often and uh so do a lot of people in the Chicagoland area. So his number is 630-956-1800. His website is avidco.net. I wanted to honk at him, but I was afraid he would think I was like a frustrated driver. Honk honk. You should have. Well, I wanted to. If I would have pulled up sight of him, I would have given him a wave. But um, And then the last thing is uh, the music. What music? Oh. This music. Um, do you want to say anything else to anybody? I don't. I just want everybody to tell everybody to have a great week. And, um, you know... You know what? I, I do want to say one thing. What? Tomorrow I'm doing a conscious parenting discussion at, 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 with a group of women. Nice. So there are people who want to know more, Todd. Good luck with that. Thank you. I'll be in Indiana talking about precast concrete. Good luck with that. Can't wait. Yep. Um, and I'm not going to say keep trucking today. All right. Say just be cool, man. Just be cool. Just make us look cool. Just make us look cool. All right. See you.